0: All right, so holiday week, it is episode number 17 of the Cutler Cast. Uh, excited to be back on. I know we have a lot of things to cover today since a lot's been happening since we had Dan uh, Solomon on, which we announced the Olympia being held in Vegas. And it's coming, I think it would be about that time. We just would be passing the Olympia next year, 2022.
1: I actually, on my Facebook, you know, or my Facebook and Instagram, you know how it will show you, like, what happened a year ago or two years ago. All the posts were popping up from Olympia stuff and photo shoots and all that stuff. So from when we were
0: two, what was it, two years ago? Two years ago,
1: when it was the first time it was in Orlando, it was the weekend before Christmas. Yeah. So,
0: uh, so welcome back, everyone. Uh, uh, If you guys haven't subscribed, make sure you guys subscribe and of course uh, like and comment. We had a lot of uh, great, great conversation with our with our fans and people that. You know, I've been supporting the podcast lately with the engagement. I'm happy about that. We encourage that. We try to go on and, of course, uh, answer your questions. But your your comments and suggestions sometimes give us some good topics to cover. Of course, which is which is great. But we're going to start off with the nationals because you just went down to the U.S. Mm-hmm. nationals. It's a title I won in '96 uh, to win my pro card, and it's a lot has changed. We talked about that in the other episode where uh, before you had to win your class or an overall to gain professional status. And yes. this is prior to all the other divisions, classic and men's physique and all that. And of course the women's side, uh, we uh, now have two in each class Top that two. earn their pro card. Um, and of course the overall winner, um, which at this show was pretty, pretty impressive. What would Before we even talk about this show, what was
1: it like for you? Like, you won in 1996, and this last year is actually the 40th anniversary. So Jim was there, and he actually brought Lee Haney out, who won the first ever yeah, Nationals. Sure. What 80s, was it? 82, I think. What was it like for you? Like, where was it, and what was going on through your head going into a national show? Because there was only a couple places you could turn pro back then.
0: Yeah, so I went in in 96, and, and uh, it was in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I was excited because I actually went down there a week prior, and, of course, uh, Chris Aceto came with. And my whole family came down, but we actually got to train at Ronnie Coleman's gym, which was Metroflex, mm-hmm. which was the only one in existence, by by the way, so our viewers know, you know, Metroflex has then since then franchised all around the country, right? Yeah. Um, and now, uh, you know, the show has kind of stayed put in Florida. It's normally in Miami, but it used to change often. So Atlanta. It, would, it would go Atlanta back and forth between Dallas and you know, back then we had magazine hype and, uh, you know, uh, my my nemesis or the person I was battling was Tom Prince. And he had gotten second to Craig Titus at the USA's earlier in the year mm-hmm. where Craig Titus won, got his pro card. The year before, Tom Prince was second at the Nationals to Don Long. Mm-hmm. And when I was heading into Nationals, uh, you know, of course, he was considered the guy to beat because he had just placed second at the USA's. And that's how it kind of was where yeah. – A lot of the guys, you know, were coming off former contests, so they had hype in the magazines, so people knew that they were coming, which Mm -hmm. today we don't really know who's coming. I mean, if you asked me prior to Nationals when you went down there, you were actually there present. I wouldn't know anyone that was really the front runner. Of course, now seeing some of the names that we'll go over, um, I have seen pictures of our overall winner, uh, Carlos Thomas Jr., Mm -hmm. Uh, who was unbelievable, right? And I have seen some pictures uh, of what he looked like. Um, But, yeah, so it was was crazy, man, because it was my first national show. I hadn't stepped foot on a national stage yet. I knew a lot of the names that were competing because they were hyped in the books. And I went there with confidence that I was going to do well, but to walk away with a pro car was pretty amazing. I only won my class. Did you – were you like – In in the magazines a lot back then going in.
1: So did you have as much hype as anyone else? I did. You could be the spoiler. I
0: did. I mean, I had a year. I mean, I started landing in the magazines at the end of 95, early 96, Mm -hmm. pretty consistently. I got my first muscle and fitness cover um, around that time. So uh, that really gave me a great advantage going into the contest because people knew I was coming. And, of course, I had the size and, Mm -hmm. you know, condition was the thing. Obviously, I didn't win the overall, and that was what I was told. I wasn't as polished. I weighed two forty eight when I won the card, so I went in at two forty eight. And uh, you know, for example, I mean, King Kamali, Bob Chicarillo were like eleventh and twelfth in that show. Dave Palumbo was fourth. Ovo Burke was third. Tom Prince was second. I mean, we had a lot of great talent in there. Yeah, so a lot of the wow. names you still know today.
1: It was so this this year the nationals was at the same place the Olympia was at, so it was familiar for us mm-hmm. to be able to. Stay in the hotel. Just walk across and go go see nationals. The production was awesome. You know, I believe Robin Chang did that. Had the big screens up, which and sometimes in the past they wouldn't have. That had the huge screen, so you had a good seat from everywhere. It had a small expo off to the side. People like Chris Bumstead and Ian Valier and Yurishna were all there. Mark Anthony, uh, Jen Dory. So it was good seeing some of the other, you know, some of the other active pros, you know, coming down there to support the show. But it was just sitting in the crowd watching the different divisions. You know, there was a lot of really like good people. Like there wasn't any division outside of the super heavies that it it was pretty close with a lot of these guys. And I was I was surprised because you know how it is usually somebody just runs away with it. But all the divisions had really really there were really good classes from the top to the bottom. Um, but I'll go over the the different. Winners of each class, and then we can, you know, you can show you the comparisons, and you can kind of mm-hmm. give your feedback. But the overall winner in super heavyweight was Carlos or Carlos Thomas Junior. The heavyweight winner was Justin Sheer. Lightweight Michael Condell. Middleweight Justin Jacoby. Uh, Walterweight Jordan Wise. Lightweight Will Pirelli, and Bantamweight Raymond Hooligan. Hooligan. So. It was uh, the other thing that was kind of like when we show the pictures up here. It was abnormal seeing the small, the shortest guy up there being the biggest guy up there. But I don't know if we can, if you can, uh, J Mac, if you can pull the video or the pictures up, and then maybe Jay can kind of just give
0: his feedback on each one of
1: the uh, each one of the the shots.
0: Yeah. So we have, you know, looking at these guys. I mean, obviously our winner in in the center. Great, great size. I know leading into the show after prejudging, you talked a lot about the heavyweight. yeah, Justin. you know, looking at the condition, I mean, he looks to be in better condition than uh, overall winner he was he was ridiculously shredded. He was but obviously, you know, it's it's a muscle contest. I can see that Carlos has definitely some more uh, more size. Uh, you know, you did mention he was a little shorter, but he looks like he'd be a contender, man, going right into the pros. I, I
1: mean, I honestly think if he got a little harder and leaner, he could step into any show and hold his own in the pro ranks.
0: Yeah, I wonder, you know, listen, it's 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 the end of the year. I mean, Nationals usually is not this late, right? But it's too bad because he could have pulled the Nick Walker and basically gone into a pro show. I was gonna day. say
1: that he he looked reminded me somewhat of Nick where you see the physique up there and you say, That's a pro physique mm-hmm. on an amateur stage and he could transition right into.
0: Yeah, that. I mean, Justin looks really good here. Um obviously the light heavy. Um is that Michael? Light heavy is Michael. Yeah. yeah I mean, all these guys look good. I mean, it's Go to the uh the next,
1: next shot. The front uh, front lap.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, he's you know, it's it's uh looks like a lot of guys were in great shape. That's what I was surprised. I, I was noticed how many guys were in good condition. I mean, yeah. I got to watch a little bit of the broadcast
1: um, was, because was, obviously a free stream this
0: year. I knew I knew a couple of people in there. You sent me the link. So, um, you know, really good comparison. It's just really hard for these these guys, you know, in the lower divisions. And, you know, you don't really see a bantam or a lightweight often winning, you know, a lot of the overall, right? It's it's really, really difficult. But, you know, looking at this top lineup for this overall post-down, man, everyone's in great shape. Everyone's you know, it's, it's very uh, – odd usually to have a super heavy class as, as deep as it was like a lot yeah. of the guys were in really good shape yeah. you know it's usually like one guy and then it's like a lot of guys are not in shape but man it's it's this was one of the most uh deep nationals i had seen in quite some time yeah
1: that's it uh, go to the next one Jamer. yeah that back double he's just got
0: he definitely has got to bring his back up a little
1: yeah. bit yeah going into the- but I've noticed, like the he's got the the hamstrings and the and the, the legs from the back mm-hmm. look like they're on par with a lot of the pros. Where a lot of guys, you know, have to develop that as they.
0: Yeah, and remember, this is this is turning pro, and and yeah, back in the era of early before me, a lot of guys came out of these shows and they were going right into the pro divisions and almost winning contests. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're seeing some guys that potentially, I mean, could walk in and and do some damage right away. I mean, like you said, if if Carlos, you know brings in in a tad sharper, you know, now he has the experience, you know, and kind of knows what he's up against. I mean, I think sometimes the guys worry about, you know, size so much instead of, you know, focusing on the condition. I mean, the density's there. I had seen pictures of him leading into the contest. I knew he would be dangerous. I just wasn't sure about the conditioning factor. And, you know, here we are nitpicking about, well, he could have been harder, this and that, but you know what? He was damn good he's enough good. to win this contest. Yes. And, you know, sometimes, the, you know, you can see there in the rear – but the lat spread shot where he dominates over Justin, you know, who's next to him. And, you know, obviously that's where the depth of the physique really starts to, 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 sh- you know, they always say sh- shows a one from the back, but i um, yeah, definitely, I think, I think, Ju- I think
1: Justin, you know, uh, he's working with Matt Jansen. I yeah. think he's got so much he can improve now that he's a, a pro. If, if he took a certain amount of time off and just added size in the right places, mm-hmm. he's, he could be a, he could be a problem in the future. Just from uh, just from seeing him in person,
0: there. Yeah, very impressive. Uh, very impressive lineup. Yeah, so maybe next year you'll go. Uh, well, it depends where it's at. I think it we kind of have a deal, but – Okay, yeah. Okay, because yeah, I heard Gary Udett say it was going to be back. Okay, so, so it's going to be. Uh, I year. think they signed another deal there. So, yes, yeah, great, man. So, what about the classic physique? Talk about a little bit about that.
1: Um. So I. I I didn't get to watch the classic physique, but I can just say who each of the winners were. Uh, Eric Abledon won classic physique. Men's physique was uh, Tom Cox. Women's physique, Julia Monroe. Figure, Amanda Katsu. Uh, bikini, Brittany Jalepski. And wellness, Uruwa Uku. Okay. Say those names right. But, but overall, like just watching the, the classes that I did watch, it, it looked like just a really, really good, deep, deep stacked, in, in all the different divisions. You know how sometimes you go to some shows, and there's a couple people that really stand out? But the judges had their hands full with every division.
0: Yeah, and you know what? I think they didn't expect so many people <laughs> to show up. So no. I know the shows ran a little later, mm-hmm. um, but I did get a chance to speak with Steve Weinberger uh, this morning because we're working on, obviously, a couple things together And, uh, he told, he was raving about, you know, how successful the show was and very positive things. So, you know, for a 40th anniversary and I know Jim, you know, i had spoken to him through the, through the year and, uh, you know, he, you know, helps promote this contest along with Gary and he was super excited. I mean, it was huge, huge turnout. Um, you know, congratulations on them and what a way to celebrate. I know he got to speak, you know, Jim doesn't usually get on the microphone very often. And I know he, uh. You know, he gave a lot of credit to Lee Haney to kind of uh, pioneer the NPC, you know, back in that era. And, you know, Jim's a former bodybuilder, you know, and and, uh, what I love about him and his character is, you know, he was in the trenches like a lot of us were uh, competing. And, you know, he, you know, obviously being in Pittsburgh, you know, he's an East Coast guy. So that mentality is always there, the work ethic. And, you know, it's funny, we were having a a personal conversation more uh, not too long ago, and. He was talking about, you know, do you have any trips or, you know, where do you go? And I said, man, I don't know if I could ever do one of these, like, Maldives trips where you just sit in a hut all day. And he's like, yeah, man, it's, it's hard to do that, you know? Because he's always, you know, he's always doing something, yeah. keeping himself busy. And, you know, the phone never stops. And you, can, you can't just say, you know how people say... I'm going to put my phone away for seven days, no. dude. That's impossible. No. I, I think even you're in that position. No, I, and I you know, can you imagine Jim Mannion's phone, how many hours he's, oh. he's on the phone between all the worldwide people and people reaching out just even on a personal I level, know. but never mind the business. I mean, he's running such a massive operation. You know, it's like very time how, is limited. So how old is he? Uh, he's in, I think he's around early seventies somewhere
1: for, for him to be in his early set. Every time I see him, he's yeah. always on the move. He
0: might maybe, you know, he might be mid seventies uh, or he's always on the he's move. Very, he's, he's not like just sits nah. there. He's not
1: still, he's walking around, he's talking to he's, people, he's shaking he's hands. Very he's very
0: active, man. And yeah. you know, he's he's been a huge, huge um, figurehead and he's, you know, he's mentored a lot of us and done great things for us. And, uh, you know, that's why we continue to support and, uh, you know, always look after, uh, you know, what kind of made us.
1: So you going back to when you competed, what did you have to do to finance uh bodybuilding as an amateur going into nationals? And did it change much as you you turn pro?
0: Yeah. So when, by the time I got, you know, I, I, I always talk about, you know, the teenage years, but I never really get into like from 20, 21, 22. And, you know, I finished golf course maintenance. I was working on getting ready for the T nationals. And then I think I went back the next year to do golf course work. So I was running like the uh, fairway mowers and I was head of irrigation for um, Sterling country club at the time. But I had a great opportunity because a friend of mine that I had met in the gym, um, his name was Bruce Vartanian and he kind of took me under his wing and he basically had started a heating air conditioning business. And I kind of was doing odd things with him where you know, I was helping him with billing or running around. His brother kind of was like the the, the know-all of all that business because he came in from that background. And I think, you know, his brother basically, which, you know, he still has the business, um, you know, he kind of was, you know, behind the scenes working and doing more of the labor work. And uh, so I was kind of helping out with that. And at the in the meantime, he was kind of mentoring me. And I didn't make a ton of money, but I made enough to be able to afford my rent and afford my food and, Like I said, Chris Asita was helping me, you know, behind the scenes on, you know, somewhat of a basis, just kind of monitoring and by no means as I was wealthy, but at the same time I was making enough to support, you know, my kind of my bodybuilding and allowing myself to train every day. And then I would usually work like later in the afternoons into the evenings where I would allow myself to train at like 11 in the morning. And remember I was driving to different gyms and, you know, by the time, you know, that got underway and, you know, we got into... Um, you know, so he was doing more, uh, home building at the time. Uh, I was able to, you know, kind of, uh, pivot to the, uh, the contracts and I started the mail order and I, and all this time I had done a little mail order, which was only a PO box in the mail. That's when you were still magazine. amateur. Yes. Okay. And then once I got a pro card, you know, uh, even before that Joe Weider offered me a contract, they didn't take it until I got the pro card. Cause I got double the money that I did. And then pretty much financed myself as a bodybuilder then, and, was, you know, continuing to grow and, you know, selling stuff through the mail order and and uh, doing some personal appearances and getting the contacts and, you know, back then the money wasn't huge. Mm-hmm. But back then you never had the vision of making well over six figures in bodybuilding, which in this era I think you almost need that to kind of survive of course, as a yeah. top pro. So, when you know I was sponsored by Weider at the time who had supplements and of course they gave us features in the books. And uh, that's how it kind of how my career how, took off. How,
1: w- at what point did you look in the mirror or ever realize, like, wow, I'm actually going to make a living as a pro bodybuilder? Not where you've made, oh, I made a little money here, there, where you knew this is what I'm going to do and I'm making it.
0: Uh, when I was getting ready for the Tournament of Champions in 95, which was the show that I did in California to qualify, it was one of John Lindsay's shows. Mm-hmm. And I went out there and I dominated the field and I walked into Gold's Venice and everyone's like, holy shit, who's this kid? Mm-hmm. And that's when I knew, you know, it, of course, Ed Connors, I was close to at that time. And like, I had just had it, you know, some people just have that it factor with mm-hmm. what they do. And, uh, you know, I just, I had that look and walking into Joe Eater's office at that point, you know, he said, I want to give you a contract, you know, and I knew I was on the, on deck to be, you know, a pro, but How good, I don't really know. I mean, it wasn't until I was second (coughs) to Ronnie Coleman that I knew I could win the Olympia. I always say that. But I knew I would be a pro. I knew I would be a pro. I knew I'd be successful at what I was actually set out to do. It wasn't even about being a pro because I never really thought I want to be a pro because that's going to automatically bring money, even though in those times, basically, if you were a pro, you secured a contract pretty much, right? for sure. But I knew I would make money. And I would make enough to afford my chicken and my gym membership and a car and apartment. I didn't even think about buying a home as much back then because I was just so young. And uh, that's all I really cared about. I mean, if you said to me then, Matt, uh, hey, you're going to make $60,000 a year to bodybuild, I would think, wow. Wow. I'm very doing. That was very a great well. living, then, though. Yeah, because listen, thirty grand was the average income where I came from, and that's what family people raised families with. Yeah. Uh, so sixty, you're in a good spot. Yeah. So no sixty kids. grand was like, you know, that's five grand a month, and I'm thinking, wow. Like, remember, car payments are like two, three hundred bucks back then. Gas that's was like 90, a good car too. Gas was ninety-nine cents a gallon. An apartment, you know, that I lived in was five hundred bucks, mm-hmm. and it was a nice, like, two-bedroom. You know condo or whatever it was great and uh you know you weren't going out my dinners were $20 for, for, for me and my people. girlfriend you know yeah so it wasn't like now where it's like everything is just way more expensive we talk about inflation over and over but you know the places we go to eat you know I mean we order DoorDash here and it's 25 bucks you just know for, a single for one person yeah that's um but this is 95, you know, Just 96. think about it.
1: You know, Some of these people that are coming up now, maybe some people that have just gotten into the industry, they don't understand the, the history of what it, what it was like to turn pro. Mm-hmm. You, know, you go to some of these shows now, and there's two people in every class turning pro, to where back in 96, the, overall, the winner of each class at nationals, the overall winner of the USAs, and I think around 2000, the overall and the runner-up turned pro, and the overall winner of the North Americans turned yeah, pro.
0: Yeah, yeah. So listen, I, I I, need to clarify something. So if you turn pro normally in like a, a heavyweight, it wasn't super heavy back then, the heavyweights n- most normally got paid. Light heavy, heavy. Yeah, like I'm not saying the lower classes to disc, disc, like yeah. sh- disrespect them, but like you automatically, like you were big enough. You were getting a contract. Yeah, most tur- likely. Probably while you were there, somebody came and spoke yeah, to you. Yes, so, you know, or you've been, the most of the guys that, end up winning, they don't just show up out of nowhere. They've no. been now on the circuit, whether they did the junior nationals or they've been in a magazine feature. Because if you were, if you were good, the magazines found you somehow. Because, you know, the local gyms, the word would spread. And next thing you know, phone calls would be made and be like, there's this freak in my gym. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's how it all started. I mean. If I remember right, I think a lot of
1: the contracts back then, if you got a supplement contract, it was for no money. It was supplements expenses, and there would be a clause in the contract that said, "If you turn pro, you get two thousand a month, or you well, start yeah, getting uh, it,
0: You get incentivized by how yes. you place. Because today you get incentivized by like, okay, how many sales you, yeah, yeah, like how how if you get reach a quota. Back then, it's like, okay, if your status, if you go further with your status, meaning you prove yourself on yeah. that platform, that's a it's existing to you." Mm-hmm. That's how you would get pay increases. So if so if I get the pro card, I get X rays. If I went and won the Knight of Champions, I got a bigger another raise. If I went and won the Arnold Classic, you get a bigger raise. And then if you get the Olympian, you place in the top ten, you get a raise, or place in the top six, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So Joe Weeder incentivized the people to do better. And that's what was cool because you were always working to make because yeah. it was kind of dictated by like someone had to make a decision on okay, you're gonna make more or less money. It wasn't like you could today go out and earn your money. So I I can say today it's easier to make money. Way easier. Because you can kind of create your own, like, person. You know, you could be vocal, like, totally like a guy that gets on social media and, like, like a C.T. Fletcher who was like, yeah, do your set, yeah, you know, yelling and this and that. But we know he's such a, like, calm and cool guy when you yeah. speak to him, right? So you can kind of create that character now. Think about back then when you – If you wouldn't have placed well, you didn't get that raise. You didn't. It's out of your control. It's up to the judges. And I would be scared every time. Like, when I got a pro you know, pro card, and then, of course, I competed in my first pro show, I got 11th. And I'm like, oh, man, I didn't, like, stand up to what expectations were. And then I didn't get qualified for the Olympia. So that was already negative points, you know? So I'm like, oh, man, am I going to – because the contract was only year to year, bro. You could get dropped. Yeah, so technically. It was like, okay, well, we have faith in you. You're going to go the next year and do better. And then, of course, I slowly moved up. But I remember – you know, going to my first Olympian, it was kind of contingent on me moving to California because Joe's like, listen, I want you to come after the Olympia to California in 99. And I expected to go to the Olympia, especially with the hype three weeks out. I mean, people see the headband like this, this little yeah. doll, uh, I looked amazing. And then I got to the Olympia and I got 15 out of 16 and I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I was supposed to get a pay raise in order to, to finance myself to go to California and I was so nervous I wasn't going to get that pay raise. And of course, he did he give it to you anyways? Yeah, he gave it to me he because saw the, he knew. He saw the because he knew. And I'll be honest with you guys like, he like almost doubled my income yearly to move to California. Like, I said, hey, I'm going to need double the money. And he basically did to make it, make me be able to be comfortable in California. That's why I always, always talk about Joe Weeder as like a positive person that gave me you know, that vision and it gave me opportunity. That. He didn't, he could have reneged it, but you <clears> know <throat> what? He stood true to his word. He made sure I was closer to the books to, only to help me. It helped me build my brand bigger. And, uh, you know, I was off to the races and I started winning pro shows right away. Uh, what was your, who was your, if I remember it right, was, what was your first big contract? Um, well, Weeder gave me a decent one. You know, I made six figures <clears> on my <throat> Weeder contract and then I left I left there and went to ISS Research. I got made more money with that. Um, who but now the Weeder deal was that a supplement and a publishing? No, because it wasn't separated at that point. It okay. was all yes. It, it was it everything. was under one. So it was we. You were Weeder, which means they had a supplement and the books were owned by them. It was kind of combined. Yeah, there was no separate entities, right? Um, so it was combination of both. And then when I went to ISS, I just had you know a supplement contract with them they were the ones that came up with the oh yeah bar and sold to Hershey or whatever and then uh i left in 2003 and signed with muscle tech, muscle tech yeah. and that was a huge huge contract i still think that was the biggest contract to date well it was the biggest at that point but then remember i signed a bigger one after i won the olympia yeah. no i'm just saying your muscle tech it's peak. Yeah. I, I, st- yeah, I don't think course. anyone's gotten no, a bigger no. it was bigger contract. it was crazy it was crazy, and I like. And I when said,
1: when did the when did the mag when did the strict magazine deal come into place? Where it wasn't the weeder publication deal, it wasn't a supplement. It was just a publishing deal.
0: It came. Uh, I created it. Okay. In two thousand one, mm-hmm. I signed with Muscular Development after the after my second place at the Olympia. Okay, I, I remember sitting with Steve Blackman and John Romano, we were eating dinner and they said, "How can we work together?" Okay, cuz Musket Development at that point was just a magazine. Yeah. And I said, "Listen, you know, maybe I'll write a column." And truthfully, I wrote my columns. I truly sat down and I wrote my monthly column. They paid me a fee for it. Weeder saw that and they said cuz I had left Weeder by that point, you know, as they transitioned, you know, AMI started to take over. What mm-hmm. I think they they bought it t- but Weeder came to me and said, "Hey, why don't why don't we do just a magazine?" Because I think the supplements had started to like go away. So I had a supplement. I had a supplement deal with with ISS, and then I had a magazine contract with MD first, and then I had one with Weeder also. And then you ended up going back to MD well, later on no. Tomorrow. What happ- Yes, what happened was is I took I took the Weeder deal along with the MD, but I promised the Weeder people that when the MD expires, I'll just be exclusive to the, to the Weider deal. Because I thought like everyone else, it was a good political run for me to do that because it was linked to the Olympia and everything else. But then, you know, I stayed with Weider for all those years, but when they kind of turned on me when I was competing in 2009 and wasn't supposed to win, I told them I'm leaving when my contract's up at the end of 09. And that's exactly what I did and went back and signed the biggest magazine deal ever and I guarantee I get more money than anyone's ever gotten from a magazine uh, with Steve Blackman and Muscular Development so I credit him and you know what Steve Blackman kept me on even when I quit I tore my bicep went through all the shit came back in 2013 he still paid me even when I was re- I announced like retiring or not announced it but I just didn't I, he, everyone knew I wasn't going to compete he kept me under contract he st- stayed true to his word I signed like a five year contract and uh, they always supported me always. So yeah, I have nothing ever bad to say about Steve Black. A lot, a lot of the people coming
1: up. No, they don't realize that there were publishing deals, actual deals where yeah. a magazine paid you
0: to use your likeness. And like at the, you know, and then <laughs> I had the, you know, I had the muscle tech deal and of course they were buying pages and all the books and everything else. So it worked out be- to my benefit. And, uh, you know, didn't, I, didn't they have the, didn't the weeder deals many years ago, you got
1: your own page in the magazine too, yeah. as part of it. So you I can negotiated advertise.
0: it. Yeah, and yeah. MD gave it to me too, you know. So, so you I could, could put your products on there for mail Yeah, orders. so I had a mail order. So, you know, prior to Instagram and all that other stuff, that's how we were selling a lot of the products. And, wow. you know, I was able to take the Jay Cutler brand and explode it, you know. And, you know, of course, now today it's trademarked. And, you know, we talk yeah. about trademarks and patents, which I want to touch a little bit upon because, you know, that's been kind of the, t- uh, you know, my biggest obstacle with the yeah. supplements is – you know, I have to come up with a new name for all the products that I launched. And I remember when I had my line laid out, you know, I, I talked, I had like certain names for like the pre-workout and then the aminos and, you know, like the fat burner and whatever else. And it's like, everything's taken, man. And, you know, we were talking about like a situation where someone had a patent mm-hmm. on an item, but you were telling me and we researched it. Yeah. What, what was the topic about so, patents? So,
1: so, with a patent, up until 1995, it could be for 17 years. And that's you, there's like fees and stuff you have to do to renew it. But after 1995, it went to 20 years. So unless it's like, from what my understanding, unless it's like something like a, a pharmaceutical drug or something that society needs, they, the government can make it, you know, they can shorten it. But if you are coming up with an energy drink and you have a name you need to go to the United States trademark office and you need to research it and see if somebody has that name in that particular category. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, if they do and you launch it out, they can sue you. They can sue you for damages. They can. It's, it's, it's a mess. So anyone that's coming out with, I don't care if it's a shirt, a supplement brand, anything you do, you have to research it and see if somebody else is already doing that. Because if you don't, you can get yourself in hot water. Like, you could probably talk about certain instances with Cutler Nutrition. I don't know what you can and can't say. But certain instances where big companies came at you like, yo, you can't
0: use that. Yeah, you know, and we researched it. And, you know, the problem is, is, you know, you file for it. Mm-hmm. But that alerts someone that might have a trademark or a patent or whatever yes. else, right? It triggers that. Mm-hmm. So basically, they they shout back at you. but. A lot of times what they do is just say, hey, change it. Yeah. Because, listen, no one wins. The lawyers are the only ones that win. So if you want to battle someone for a name, there's a million names out there, right? So, uh, you know, I have, you know, obviously the Cutler brand. So when I say, you know, my pre-workout's Cutler Prevail, that's what the trademark's under. And then, like, my my burner is, you know, Cutler Sculpt. Like, I have those certain, but you still can't, you know, it's not like I can put Cutler Coke or, you know what I mean? You can't do that kind of stuff. So you still have to come up with, uh, you know, in research. And I mean, I've had you research in trademark names a lot. Um, I'm not as familiar with patents. So if someone Mm -hmm. like has a shoe, right. Yeah. Then, you know, same thing, 20 years, Uh, you can get on, if there's a certain technology or if there's a design technology and if, and if
1: you have like a shoe, you have to take your design and show why it is and you have to submit it. So you can go on the trademark the patent and trademark, uh, website and you can actually go see designs, whether it's a shoe or whether it's a, a whatever you come up with, you can, all this stuff is researchable and you, you have to research it. Like, so
0: like Nike Air Max, like they have a certain, that's a, that's a, must be a pattern, I would right? be, I would be willing to bet. And I haven't
1: researched it, but I'd be willing to yeah. bet that that Nike Air, which came out in probably the late eighties, early nineties, that air was trademarked up to 20 years. Mm-hmm. And that's why now you can go see a Fila with an air pocket or a Reebok yeah. with an air pocket Because it runs out after twenty years. Okay. But if you have something unique, you can. But with that twenty years, there's certain fees you
0: have to pay along to keep renewing. Well, it's a. I mean, listen, trademarks are expensive, man. I can't tell you how many I have. I mean, we talk about that, and of course, when your name is, you know, my name is trademarked, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, you always look for, you know, well, people using your image or whatever else, right? I mean. I mean, we talk about all the different brands, like the head logo and that kind of stuff. And
1: But you, you could take that design and submit it. Yes. You know, we, we had a situation of a company that you and I are uh, tied to where somebody took that company name and started a clothing line with it. Yeah. Even though the company that we're tied to had already had it, but we never sold anything so they thought they could come in and steal yeah. it. But we had proof that we had sold items throughout the years. So we had to drag it through court and I said, and it costs, you know, this could cost you 50, hundred thousand dollars. And even though you win, you still got to get them to, they could just keep doing it. They can just, it, it, it turns into a massive legal battle and neither side wins, you know? So it's, I, I would, I would suggest anybody that's coming out with a product or a shirt or a hat or anything you, anything that you sell and can make money, either have a really good trademark or patent lawyer but before you go to that lawyer and spend a bunch of money, you can do the due Where diligence. Where can they find it? It's like US, I think it's USTPO.gov
0: or some, or dot. So you can kind like of that. search the, yeah. it, it says search the name. Yep. And you can see if anyone you has the You can go in there, you it. can search trademarks,
1: yeah. search patent. And then what you can do is you can put the name that you're looking for, the category. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, like like if you went in there right now and put, uh, you know, Nike, you're going to find they probably have t- thousands and thousands of, of trademarks or patents. But you have to you you can go research all this stuff instead of paying a lawyer to do it. You can research it up front now. Just because something on that site um, doesn't, come up. doesn't come up doesn't mean that there's not something else out there. So if yeah. you see something where, let's say, you wanted to name it XYZ T-shirt company or whatever, you can at least look it up, see it that it's not on there, and then you can go to a lawyer and say, "Hey, I'm about to go into business. I want to file this." And once you have it filed. If somebody else comes up with it, whoever filed it first, pending that they approve it. You know, so you mean you can you can file for a trademark, but until it's registered, it's not
0: yours. Yeah, I have a I have a specific attorney, like I have attorneys obviously for different yes. uh, parts of my business, but a specific one just for trademarks. So I don't even when I don't even bother searching a lot now. If I have something in, in mind, I basically say, Hey, this is what I want, and then she actually asked for a physical, like something physical, like it can't just be a drawing of a T-shirt with a with a quote on it or whatever. It needs to actually have like a hang tag or, mm-hmm. like an actual p- clothing piece. They want to like see an a option. real picture, yeah. yeah. So, like a lot of stuff, like I'll have made a one-off, and just to file it and uh, you know lock down the trademarks. And Same, like else. something I
1: learned in the. But last it takes time, you know. Something I learned in the last year or so, if you are putting out a clothing line let's say it's you know just cutler nutrition you can't have the patent or the trademark on that unless the inside of it has it as well it can't be a fruit of the loom t-shirt mm-hmm. with a cutler print on it. it it doesn't work that way you have you to have it. For that yeah you can and that's something i learned this last year with a situation we went through i i learned that uh if you just have it printed on something it doesn't guarantee that you're gonna that you're gonna have it but we used to do that when I worked in the music industry where a record would get done. We'd make a copy of it, and we would we would mail it. This is before you could upload an MP3. You would actually mail a hard copy and prove that you sent it in on whatever date. And you would actually take a copy of the CD and send it to the, I think it's the Library of Congress. I forgot. I think that's what it was. You send See, it to, do you
0: have a trademark on the Hater Blockers? No. I wish J Mac could pull up the hater blockers. <laughs> <laughs> could find your mug. Yeah, yeah. You sold
1: <laughs> no, we weren't. I mean, you no, know, we we never did. Uh we just we just sold those. We just sold those out of the go to go to Google and put J. Cutler hater blockers. <laughs> it, it's a pair of it's a pair of sunglasses. Go to images. Put J. Cutler
0: bodybuilder. It's Hater H A T A take the R out of
1: it. Let's see. You'll see a picture of him wearing a pair of tan sunglasses. Usually when we search it, it pops yes. up. Yes. But <laughs> yeah, no, that that was. Now, the song we sent in, the the I got my hater blockers on. We sent that in the Library of Congress. That was because we got paid royalties on that. That was done right. But the actual sunglasses. Oh, no. there they are. He got it. At it no, at that's that.
0: not it. But go back to the one before. Right, right there. The left, yes. Right
1: there. Right there.
0: Re, it, what does it say, Matt? Tell me it's what it says. Big, big. Right there. That was a pair of sunglasses
1: that we came up with off a record that I of an artist that I managed. All right, so menu. it says,
0: "When you are on top, people want to bring you down. Block out all the non-believers with your hater blockers." <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what's funny? Don't let the negativity <laughs> bring you down.
1: <laughs> But you know what? We sold about 20,000 That of those. is
0: your fault that I sold those things. <laughs>
1: hey, you asked for it. So, yeah. so one day he was like, yo, what are these stupid glasses you have?" I said, hey, we're selling them. You want to sell them on your site? We sent you like a box How of 300. How much
0: were they? It was that say 20 bucks? 20 bucks. Yeah. yeah. 20 bucks.
1: That was on your site. You sold them all, though. You probably stiffed me. You probably never even paid me. Yeah, we, <laughs> sold, we were, we were, we were. Ordered. I don't
0: think I ever paid you for them. I think you told me not to worry about it. I don't,
1: it. I don't know, whatever. Well, you can pay me now plus interest. That <laughs> was fucking 15 years ago. But that song, we had a song called I Got My Hate of yeah, on. Yeah. It was the number one record in the Southeast United States ahead of uh, Young Jock. He had It's Going Down. Cassie had, I think it was called No yeah. One Will Do. In the Southeast US, it was the biggest record. So we bought those glasses to market the song. Yeah. And every time we did a show, we'd sell them. We sold like, I I want 20 to 40,000 or something. We would order like 5,000 at a time from China and they would come in and I think we got them for like a buck 50 each. We were like, just give me 20 bucks for them. You know, you'd put them on, they'd freaking cut your face and- (laughs) <laughs> yeah. about, about 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 a year ago uh, a girl that I used to know down in uh, Florida she actually sent a picture to me and she said I bet you I'm the only person in the world that still has these and it had the tag on them and everything like like the sticker and everything I was like yeah. man those things are mint maybe yeah. you need to re- we need to relaunch
0: these no things. I sold some crazy shit in my what else time? did you sell on the there? CD the uh, Beats by Jay what a terrible idea that was <laughs> <What a> ter- <laughs> J-, J Mac, did you ever hear that <laughs>
1: He had he had his own mixtape. <laughs> We're going in, yeah. <laughs> Dude, You know, like yeah. you know what I'm gonna do.
0: <laughs> I think I need to find that. Who who helped you make it? I need Larry made it. I have it sitting in. My, I have two copies. Oh, I'm my sure head. you people, probably people still hit me up. I bet wanting you got them in
1: back with your porn too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's beats
0: beats by Jay. Is that I bet you can find it on eBay. <laughs> hey you can't sell it on eBay.
1: that's a violation of it you're violating other people's trademarks their copyrights because those songs weren't yours no those were mine no, the the music in the background, the beats weren't yours. No,
0: that was my CD, bro. I don't know who. I mean, the DJ made them specifically I, for me. No, but I so all the songs were reproduced. Yeah, yeah.
1: I thought there was like fifty no, cents. No, no, I thought no, it was the my, songs you no, like.
0: It was no, it was hundred no, percent. what are you doing, just,
1: man? man? Why don't you resell it? Then yeah. you won't be so broke. Well,
0: I mean, people still ask for it. Like you said, <laughs> the beats by, what a terrible idea.
1: <laughs> I think we need to bring that that out with a pair of hater blockers for memory's sake. Yeah.
0: All right. So what are we gonna let's let's um. Let's migrate to. Uh, we have the Arnold coming up, right? Yep. We have the Arnold classic. So now. the list has been announced. Um, we let's pull that up. And we're going to focus on the men's open bodybuilding because you know I won this show three times. You're the so you're the only person who ever won it three times consecutively in a row. Yeah. And I just heard and
1: I just heard someone say this the other day. So Brandon Curry won it in 2019, the Arnold, and he won the Olympia.
0: Nobody, so did Dexter Jackson.
1: He won them both in the same yes. year. Now, Brandon, if he comes back, if he wins it this year and potentially wins it, he would have done that twice, which is kind of cool yeah. someone could could win it. So go ahead and, uh, I mean, they have them in alphabetical order. I don't know if you want to talk about each guy, like what you think their chances are of. of
0: now, I'll talk about, like, the front lineup. runners of this, of this contest. So we have, you know, Bonick, who's a former champion. We have Brandon Curry, who's a former champion. And we have Cedric, who's a former champion, right? Mm-hmm. Three, three former champs. Three former champs in this lineup, but we have a hell of a lineup around them. Yes. Um, Regan, who's training out of here. Steve Cucolo, who, you know, I was disappointed didn't get in there. Nathan Dasher's coming. I He's, I didn't he's know got he
1: nine, was, nine pro wins. I mean,
0: Samson had a great showing last year. Max Charles, I mean, he's been getting shredded lately. Um, yeah. Rafael Brandeo, I mean, he's like Brazil's Top favorite. Nine. Akeem Williams. Yeah, I don't know who Fabio... Um, I believe he's the guy that won the amateur. Okay. He's
1: he's coming in. He got it in. Yeah,
0: Justin Rodriguez, he's huge right now. I saw it. he, you know, he's a guy we talked about here with his shape. Mm-hmm. Um Shabon, I mean, he's he's been running up there with these guys. Brett Wilkin is in this conversation. Keen Williams. Mm-hmm. Keen Williams has been uh you know, he's been a front runner in this when, when I when I look at this, to me, you know, Brandon's. I the mean, he's runner. the most decorated guy on this roster. I mean he
1: he won it in 2019. Yeah. He won the Olympia in 2019 and ever since then he's been second and second at the Olympia. So he would he would naturally be the front runner. Yeah, to win and, this but
0: Bonix, you know Bonix yes. beat him and he's been second yeah. at the Olympia and I know his placings lately don't sh- showcase what his potential mm-hmm. is. But you know he's very very round and you know and then you have Cedric who if he puts it together which he has not it seems like lately. Mm-hmm. I mean, he remember he beat Kai. He beat Green, all those you know? guys. Yeah, he beat yeah. everyone. And you know, I'm curious to see though, like what uh, Justin Rodriguez with some rest, Brett Wilkins, Akeem. If Akeem gets back to form, Kuklo, we, who's we haven't seen, he gets him, in crazy. And shape. Nathan next to these guys, like you know, and man, you know, and we know Regan what he's doing over yeah. here, and we think that he could be potentially uh, I, in I, the mix. This is a tough lineup, man. Yeah. Like a very close. Yes. Close lineup. Like, I can't sit here and say, this guy's definitely going to win. You know, if you had, like, you know, a Phil Heath in there, or you had, um, you know, like a Dennis Wolf or a Sean Roden, or I'm just going back to the past. I mean, those guys, you kind of knew that they potentially yeah. they were going to be the ones, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but this is really tough. I mean, I would assume Brandon Curry's coming for blood for this show. Yes. Of
1: course because he's gotten second the last two mm-hmm. years and you know I mean he looked he I mean look he beat Phil 2 years ago and he was right there toe to toe with Rami this last year.
0: So tell me something they're doing the prejudging on Friday.
1: Yeah, they're going to. That them, right? I think. Uh, yes, I, if if I remember That's correctly. That's what
0: I saw. I think I saw the schedule and I thought I saw they're, Friday they're gonna, prejudging. They're going
1: to do Friday prejudging and they're going to hold it up overnight. Okay. So it's it's going to be a I mean there's there isn't like a like a Outside of you know, probably the the Brazilian guy Fabio. That's that's new. Mm-hmm. There, there's no there's nobody up there that's a, a, a like a weak person. Every one of them could as a contender in the show. What do show you think about to. this
0: talk about Brett Wilkin being a front runner for this contest? Untested. Guy. I'm,
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna do I'm gonna say the same thing with Brett that we said with Nick going into last year. Nick had won a show, the New York Pro, mm-hmm. going into this. We haven't seen Brett. You know, we've so seen him one time on the on the pro stage. He looked really, really good.
0: Well, he in an open class, in know, an open class, should. yeah,
1: on a pro stage, yeah, that's right, yes. open. And he lost to uh, Hunter. Yeah. He got he got second to Hunter in in the Chicago Pro. But you know, uh, just like anyone else, and until I see them next to a bunch of guys in, in a bigger show, I, I don't I don't want to make like a prediction or anything. But I, I, I think, realistically,
0: <laughs> if everyone is at their all time best. On this stage of all the bodies, who wins? I know what I who I pick.
1: All time best, yeah. Cedric,
0: You're right. I pick yeah. the same.
1: If he's at his all because his yeah.
0: structure, right? Yeah,
1: he's he's yes, and it's the Arnold too, and that's yeah. and that type of physique seems to do. They that judge
0: better. the posing round here a yeah. little deeper. If um, it's their all time best, I, I think it's a runaway for Cedric.
1: But yeah, but but you know, who knows? You know, we always know this. Any any show that you go into. There's only gonna be one or two people that are in really good who shape. Who the
0: best momentum in this lineup?
1: Oh, Brandon Curry. Brandon,
0: yeah. yeah, second at the Olympia.
1: Yep, second at the. I mean, look at it. I mean, outside of since he's. The I last mean, I know Nathan years, won
0: two or three shows. I mean, I know Samson won lately. Samson, I you would know. say
1: there's there's. I I think this is gonna be one of these shows where, unlike the Arnold last year where there was a couple guys who are in really good shape, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people in this lineup that are known for coming in shape. So I have a feeling you're going to see like a top f- like 6 where they're all in really really good can shape. Can Regan hang with these guys? Yes. I believe he can. Mm-hmm. You know, me, Regan obviously, you know, he's he's staying with me right now and the transformation that he's making now,
0: you're you know, seeing it on daily He's day
1: almost day. he's about just shy of 290. When are we going
0: right to get now. him on the podcast?
1: Soon. Okay. Soon. You know, he's just shy of 290 and he's 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 relatively lean. And I, How many I weeks is it, 10 weeks now? About 10 weeks out, or 10 or 11 right in there. So, you know, look, I, I think uh, he still has to prove himself against a, a, a tougher lineup because when he has done the tougher lineups, he hasn't fared well in the past. But I think with, with what he has going on with uh, Milos, the training, mm-hmm. the diet, different now, a different mindset going into it, I think we'll see the best Regan that he can be at this point. Will it be
0: enough? Well, you know, we'll find out. Yeah, but. but he seems to be getting better, man. He really may came on like, you know, we talked about that. I don't want to beat a dead horse. But, you know, Steve Kukla, where is he going to face in this lineup? If he's in shape, he's going to be right in the mix. Yeah. You know, but the problem is a lot of times he doesn't get that crazy condition. We haven't seen Nathan stand in these, these crowds much in the last few years because of restrictions. So I know Samson, him and Samson traded places last year at he, a couple well, of contests. Well, Nathan beat Samson – yeah, but they then Samson beat him,
1: right? Yeah, he beat him twice this year and then Nathan came in a little off and he yeah. and, and Samson beat him
0: and Regan. And Raphael. But you know, Justin's again the sleeper in this lineup where, you know, the shape We and, said he was a sleeper last year. Yeah. And he, he looked he looked crazy this last year. And I know Chris Assito's, you know, he's big on Raphael. I mean, Raphael gets in crazy conditions it's just is he gonna have the density to, to compete with the top. If boxers? if all these guys are in really good shape,
1: I, I think it's gonna be a. It's gonna be. Talk a, a little bit
0: about the prize money.
1: So the prize money this year, listen in, up, guys. It went from one thirty-five for first place to two hundred grand for first, second. Now I think it's one thirty 130 or one thirty-five. Third gets seventy-five thousand. Crazy. That's. I, I mean, if you're a pro bodybuilder, that's I mean, two hundred grand. You can buy a condo and shit. I might. Have, I might
0: have to dust the trunks off. What do you think? What do you think, Jim? I wonder she what Dexter's. This? I wonder what Dexter Jackson thinks right now. Of course, he's going right after I retire the Jack yeah because yeah, yeah. he won
1: five. You right? know, I'll
0: be honest though, the Arnold was the biggest prize in bodybuilding for me mm-hmm. because I was winning a hundred, a Hummer, and a watch. you still? So have those I was watches? close to yes, yeah, some, but I mean, uh, I I sold the Hummers, but you know, let's say those were sixty five thousand, so that's one sixty five just in money alone, plus a watch, and those are. I mean, I was up over grand. yeah, I mean back. Think about that it was two oh two thousand two two thousand three two thousand four. Think about what two hundred grand was worth back then. Of course, versus now. I mean, yeah. I made a lot of great financial decisions on real estate with all, all those contests. Basically, paid for real estate for me. Yeah, that was like the peak of my real estate investing. So, you, the money that you got from that has now it's still paying I'm, you dividends. I'm paying, today. I'm paying for this lifestyle through. Yeah. What I want wow. for those Arnold Classics. So that's where the prize money, like, listen, you win 10 grand. Yeah, it's great, right? That funds the. Yeah, you know, <laughs> your pre- I, like I said, I won 15 for the Night of, Knight of Champions New York Pro, my first, and that gave me a down payment for my condo. But mm-hmm. when you start winning 60 or 80 or 100 or 150 or 200, or my biggest prize was 200, mm-hmm. listen, man, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And you can do big things when you have big checks like that. Like, that means you can basically pivot that right to your, you know, a great investment, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's when the guys can really, you start consistently doing that, like Abonic has done through his career, where every show he enters, he's getting, you know, a 40000 plus, yeah, paycheck, (coughs) or a Brandon Curry. Or That's when you can say, okay, I can set myself up to retire from professional bodybuilding if you do enough years of that. So imagine this year, Brandon...
1: (laughs) I'm going to use him just because he's the front runner. Okay, Brandon wins the Arnold, then he wins the Olympia. That's six hundred thousand yeah. dollars in two shows. If you invest that properly,
0: it it can pay. And you granted, you're not going to pay taxes, but you know, if you're smart, you know, you're paying your LLC or your or your, you know, and then you're using deductions. Obviously, it's the you're you're prepping for a show. It's a business, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you got to be smart. You got to have a little, um, you know, a great accountant and advisement. But, yes, I mean, you can get very wealthy from competitive bodybuilding. That's why it's very discouraging when people say there's no money in bodybuilding. Because if you're, Those are lazy people. If you're con- competing and you're one of the elites, mm-hmm. which I think even someone young in this, like a Raphael and, and Regan, you know, let's, let's, these guys are co- a couple of the younger guys in this division, uh, wow. they're going to make a lot of money. Because yeah. their time is very, um, their shelf is long, right? Regan's 28, I think. <laughs> yeah, he so I mean, listen, most of these guys are going to go to their almost 40 years old. Or, you know, I, I don't really advise to go much deeper than that unless you really start late. But someone like Regan, who's been doing it since he was young, you know, I think that's a great window for him. I mean, listen, God bless him. I hope he can retire at 30 or 32 or 35. You know, mm-hmm. that was my kind of exit strategy in the beginning, but you know, financially, I started making the most money ever after I was 33, 34 years old. So that's what kind of kept me in it. Unfortunately, I admit that, you know, it wasn't that I was desired to go to the gym and push myself. Obviously, you saw my career kind of slump a little bit. And then I got revitalized when 2009 after losing it. And I think a lot of that was like, I went back to my mentality in the beginning where, you know, in the beginning, I mentioned, I didn't think about winning a pro card. I didn't think about being Mr. Olympia, but I thought about, okay, if I can financially support myself, how can I possibly do that? And I was always stubborn where so everyone said, no money in bodybuilding, no money in bodybuilding. I'm like, bullshit, I'm going to prove everyone wrong. And sometimes you beat in your head against the wall. But when you were considered a marketable guy and you had relationships and then I was active, like you said, to stay mm-hmm. functional in the magazines, like I was always in shape. Enough to do pictures, mm-hmm. and that was what what the ideal is. So you know, Ed Connors used to say to me, he's like, "When you go to Gold's Venice, wear a tank top." I don't wear a sweatshirt. He used to get so mad at everyone that stayed covered up because you just don't know if a movie producer's in there or someone that owns a business that comes up and says, "Hey, I want you to model for a clothing brand," because that's what you came to at that point. It wasn't like people go on Instagram like now as a business owner. I search for people on Instagram like mm-hmm. I want to collaborate with these people. You know, lately I'm on TikTok a lot, right? Mm-hmm. So like i'm out there like and i have a team that's kind of searching for like people okay they can model to do this or that where you had to run into people basically because yep. if you weren't featured Accident. in the books yeah you know gold venice was like on a saturday was like the ideal place it was like they were combing those gym that gym to be able to find the next person that they might be able to use for the body alive shoot or the you know crazy wear or Platinum everywhere, clothing and all the brands that were out that time, you know we we all kind of like were hoping that we get discovered, you know. And with the TV commercials, I mean, used to have a casting call at the front of Gold's Venice for hey, we're casting for bodybuilders, and everyone at Gold's Venice that was in decent shape and looked good would actually sign up to go for this casting for a TV commercial because it residualized a lot of money. Yeah, and that's the way like the hustle. You talk about the hustle game and. I think today a lot of people lack that hustle. I'm just being blunt when I say it. They're lazy. There's too many people that don't
1: want to do the work. Mm. It doesn't matter if it's traveling to do appearances. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's like this. You
0: you can reach out to people. And I know you're, I I hate using this role for you because, you know, you go by manager Matt. But, you know, I always know you as Matt, whatever. Uh, How many people do you reach out to and you say, hey, I have an opportunity and you don't get a text back? A lot. Isn't that disheartening? You, you, you know you know what's
1: the funniest thing about that? The people that make a lot of money that are established, I'm going to use some examples. Like if I messaged you or Rob Bailey or Aaron Singerman, or uh, I'll just use those three. If I message any one of you guys about anything, mm-hmm. you get back to me right away. But there's people that are trying to make it in this industry and you can reach out to them and they won't respond for a week. Yeah. And you're looking at it like, yeah, I'm bringing this is real money for you, and you're struggling, but your communication is so bad. But
0: does it piss you off when you go to their stories? And they're, oh, actually- of course,
1: <laughs> oh man, do you know how many times? I mean, you hear me say it, and I'll be like, hey, this person here, I've had a deal for them, I've hit them three times, and they don't get back to me, but they're on their storyline, fucking off, doing something yeah. stupid, and they're like, and then some of them, you'll hit them up like. Uh, I see you on Storyline. I'm sending you, oh, sorry, I've been busy. Like, busy doing what? Yeah, yeah. Like, busy not making money? Busy being broke? Because that's what you are. Like, people don't want to do the work. And they just, they want everything to come to them. And it's, it's frustrating. So, for me, I get so many companies and so many opportunities that come to me. So, I have a circle of people that I push it to. People that will respond back to me. People that if I say like I'll use Rob Bailey, for example. If I reach out to him and say, I got an appearance for you guys in Mexico on this date, this is how much it is, this is the deal. Rob will say to me, let me check the calendar. 15 minutes later, message back, do it, done, that's it. He doesn't have to say anything else. I'll handle the contracts, I'll get everything, same same with you, if I hit you and say, hey, this person wants an appearance. you know, Lately, you just be like, I don't wanna go anywhere. Well, but I'm honest. I know. You're like, I don't want to go anywhere. But in the past, you would go, I would already know. I'd look on the calendar and say, well, you you're open. Calendar, yeah. yeah, you're open. You'd say, okay, do it. But there's other people where you hit them and you say, I got this opportunity for you uh, on this date. I got Jay going. I got Dana Lynn Bailey going. I got Cass Martin going. I got Brian Shaw going. Do you want to be on top of this? Let me get back to you. And a day goes by. Hey, following up with you.
0: No response. How many deals do you think come across? Like, if, you, if I asked you this week alone... Did any appearances come up? I know we kind of discussed one. Yeah, right? like
1: like I have one that I'm working on in
0: Mexico, and even with like the fear of what's going on in yeah, the world, and I get I get offers I get offers. It's, but you it, voluntary search for this stuff, or do you actually no, comes across it's, your it's, desk? It's
1: because it's because I've done it for so long that a lot of the the appearances and a lot of the promoters know they can spend the next month trying to track people down or try to make offers or whatever, or they can come to me. And say, this is what I'm trying to do. This is how much budget I have. And I know how much, I know who, what athletes really are a drawn person. I know which ones have fake profile, fake followers, and fake likes and fake comments, and people who are legit. And I can build their whole uh, appearance roster up in a couple hours. Yeah,
0: but that's in the fitness. Realm. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of people. I remember when, like, Christian Guzman came on the scene and he had one of the longest lines at the Olympia. Yeah. No one in our industry really knew who he was because no. he was a YouTube guy. So, you know, today you have a lot more YouTube guys that don't have accolades, you know. I yeah. mean, Bradley Martin was kind of one we talk about that. You know, he never won shows on a on a big level, but of course, he you know he's done so well with social media and capturing an audience through YouTube. For, for
1: I mean, look, I would always put Mike Rasheed on events. Yeah. I put CT Fletcher. I'd push push Cass Martin, um, Cass Martin, um, even Dana, Dana
0: Lynn Bailey before she won Dana the hasn't
1: competed in. I think her last year was twenty fourteen. Yeah, she still hasn't. There is not a woman in this planet in the fitness industry that gets a longer line than her still. And it's because Rob and her have realized they need to stay in front of people. They're con they have multiple film crews. They're constantly putting out content. And the thing that Dan was talking about in our last interview, they're relatable. Mm -hmm. People look at them and go, wow, they're famous, but
0: they're yeah. like us. I mean, they snowboard, they have their yeah.
1: animals, they you know. And 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 look and and you can go back and look at Dana when things have they happened in boating, their life. They water she'll sea, yeah. she'll put her emotions out there, she'll cry yeah. in there, she'll talk about hard things and people can look at her and go, hey, she's like me. She's not she's not some superhero like uh you know, people she's a famous person that has real emotions. So people see that and they gravitate towards it. So yeah, there's I mean, there's deals. I mean, I had a deal come across my way this week for somebody that was a lot of money. A money, a deal that if I put it in front of you, you wouldn't have turned it down. And you have bigger contracts than anyone in the industry. And the particular person didn't get back to me. So it's like, all
0: right, well. So how important bad. is this? It's everything. It's everything. You have to. I would be a shitty um, yes, social media person if I was, <clears throat> if this was 20 years ago. Well, yeah, 20 years ago. Because I didn't allow phones in the gym when yeah. I was training. You you have to have your. I guess if someone was filming, I lie. Like Mitsuru came and filmed me for the DVDs, but I maybe if social media was necessary, you, you would, would have adjusted, you know. But I didn't like to speak when I was training, you know. Yeah. I was very like, f- yeah, focused. You would you would have adjusted, but in, in today's like
1: when I you... still returned phone calls back then though. You did, yeah. For for you, like when you were when you were coming up, your job was to be a pro bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. You got paid for people to use your likeness. Now your job is to be accessible. A company needs to be able to say, hey, I need you to do this marketing post for me. I need you to respond to people. If somebody goes on there and goes, hey, what product are you using? You should reply back. Hey, I'm, I'm sponsored by Cutler Nutrition. This is the product I use and this is a reason why. You're paid to to engage. And if you can't engage, then what value do you have? No, you if you If nobody can access you, if you're one of these people that people have to call you over and over and over and over, or they have to text you over and over and over just to get something done. Well, you're, you're not, you don't have the value to a brand. I don't care if you have 10 million on social media. I don't care if you're, if you have everything going for you on on social media, if you're the the biggest star in bodybuilding, if people can't, if you're not accessible, your value drops. Mm -hmm. And the more, the harder
0: you are to get a hold of, the less you're worth. So take that for note guys. Um, Make sure you guys comment. Oh, I want people to comment, too, if they if they actually wore the hater blockers. I want to go back to the hater blockers. <laughs> Please comment below if you guys purchased the hater blockers. All right, let's get to some questions so we know.
1: All right, so the um, first thing, I'm coming to Vegas for my first trip. What is the best hotel to stay at and
0: why? Ooh, that's a tough one. I know. There's a lot of good ones. Shoot. Who sponsors our Who sponsors this podcast? Uh, if you're out there listening, <laughs> any
1: executives, Jay Sean, if you know uh, someone,
0: you know. Listen, I know Bellagio, I know Wynn. I would say Wynn Resort is probably top list. I mean, they have the Beach Club there. They have some of the best nightclubs, best restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that was probably the best hotel to stay at. If I, think, I had a choice, I would stay there. If, if you would, what, 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 what about like the Mandarin? Well, the Waldorf Astoria is a great place because they don't have a casino attached to it, right? So. Um, that's more of a quiet place and there's, you know, great service. I lived there before. So that's a great quiet spot. But I think people want to be around like the opportune of like seeing a lot of people and having an uh, option of multiple restaurants. And listen, let's be real. Some people want to gamble. They want to walk by yeah. a slot machine, whatever. I think the wind is like probably top notch. It, it has been for a long time yeah. too. Yeah. So will you be coming to FIBO this year? Uh, I don't think so. Because I have the Jay Cutler Desert Classic the same weekend, mm-hmm. and I'm not so sure about Germany. I'm not so sure about the restrictions there, and I'd be curious to know if that event is even going to take place uh, April 7th.
1: You know, you guys all remember my experience with Germany yeah. <laughs> about a month and a half. So, ago. so
0: I, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen for 2022. But I don't think so either. Uh, we had to push my show normally. It's Easter weekend, which is the next weekend, so it would be. The sixteenth of April, but I'm I'm falling back to the seventh just because the event was booked. The ninth, I'm sorry, uh, for the Jake. I, the I have a classic. feeling
1: Fibo will do what they did the last couple of years. They'll try to get a date in October or November and just see if it. And can that pan may be out. possible. It might be
0: possible. Yeah. But,
1: uh, it says in my opinion, classic is more popular than open because of the guts. Do you think classic will ever overtake? Will ever overtake open bodybuilding?
0: All right, so this question, it's kind of a little deceiving. So in in the personal opinion of this person, Classic is more popular. I don't think so. I think it's it's more acceptable. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the young eyes are on Classic, um, but it's not going to overtake professional, like, open bodybuilding. I think that, you know, there's excitement with Chris Bumstead and the Breon battles and, you know, of course, some of these new faces coming in, I mean, between Logan Franklin and some of these foreign guys. uh, that have now competed, you know the guy from Brazil and the other the Russian guy or Yours, German. German, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that you know these guys are causing a lot of you know great um, because they're new mm-hmm. and we don't nearly know that much Chris. about them. Yeah. So where we've seen a lot of the the open guys, they kind of rotate, right? They've been around a minute. So um, I, not everyone has a gut. I mean, yeah. I never had a gut in yeah. what I did. I mean, was I bigger? Yes. I mean, at certain times did the stomach distend. More than when you were competing at a competition, yes. But I don't think um, the guts are any worse than they've ever been. Uh, I think it's actually getting a lot better because they judge against that. Um, But I think that, you know, I don't think Classic will overtake it. I think Chris Bumstead is probably more popular around the globe than Big Rami is. Yes. Because he just has a look that's, you know, and obviously like he's, You know, he's more active on social media.
1: He's more accessible. Yes, he's more accessible. Rami, Rami's in.
0: Yes, he's he's kind of hidden away a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think Bumstead, with his YouTube channel and his social media channels, I think, you know, he's definitely a great figurehead for the business, and uh, you know, but I don't think it's over going to overtake the Open.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't ever think it will. I understand what they mean. Like, Chris is the most popular competitor right now, but nothing is ever going to overtake. Open, you know, and and I would use this kind of analogy. If, if you had two venues where you had the open guys and the classic guys, and it was five hundred bucks a ticket to see them, and you had five hundred dollars, which one are you going to go see? People want to see the freaks. They want to see the shock value. They want to see the three hundred pound Rami. You know and they're going to spend their money there. Mm. So I don't ever think it'll overtake it, but that doesn't mean that any one or two individuals or a battle could be, be popular. popular yeah. Like, I think this year, I think Classic will be extremely popular because now there's some guys that are coming up that can push Chris, like more so than he has in the past. Yeah, I think not, he'll
0: win another one. but
1: I, I think he will too, but there's other guys that are his yeah. height that are compar- more comparable to him.
0: Yeah, they're so, kind of figuring out what the – what the standard is. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I mean, I,
1: I think it'll be, the classic will be really yeah. popular this year, but people still want to see the freaks, you know, yeah. and, and it's never going to change. Um, it says, what do you think is the biggest obstacle for pro bodybuilders in 2021?
0: What do you think it is? I, I can tell you what I think it is. It's the situation that's plagued the world for the past two years. Yeah.
1: I was going to say COVID, I, COVID obviously just because of what we've been dealing with, but in general, it's probably trying to figure out how to make money off of their brand, social media. Because you don't make money anymore. People don't come to you They're and say, gonna pay you. "Here's hundred grand. Yeah. We just want to use you, and that's it." That doesn't happen anymore. Where it used to, now someone you know will come to you and say, "I'll give you X amount of dollars, and I want to see what you can do yeah. because I'm not just going to invest in you." I had this conversation with a, an owner of a, a brand the other day and said, if you're signing people, if I were going to own a company, I'm not just going to sign people that just have a certain look because then that person's relying on me to grow them. I want to bring people on board that can meet me halfway. Say, hey, I got this company. I got this money. I can do this for you. We both have this goal, but I'm going to bring you on because you bring something to the table outside of just needing my money you have this certain following. You're really good at, at videos. You're really good on social media. Your appearance lines are long. So you're bringing something to the table. I'm, it's not just me coming to the table alone, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. But
0: I think, uh, yeah. yeah, foreign people uh, picking shows, I think that's the hardest thing. I mean, it's 2000. They say 2021. I think they meant 2022, right? That could be, yeah. So I think it's, you know, trying to decide what time of year is going to be the best to compete, which shows to do, because there's a lot. Um, and of course, uh, you know, being able to utilize their social media for advancement. Even with
1: picking shows, it's, it's like playing chess. Yeah. You know, you have to look at it. Like imagine if you're a pro bodybuilder and you live in Spain, well, are you going to fly across the world and do this show? If there's one that's a $200 flight away, that's closer, Mm -hmm. are you going to fly, deal with visa stuff, especially with COVID have to get a PCR test, have to come in a week early. Hopefully you pass it and you don't have to quarantine like you have to think of these things. And, and I know everyone always says, I don't care who else is in the show. Bullshit. If, if you're getting ready to do a show and you see Brandon Curry and William Bonac are on there and you need to qualify, you're not going to qualify. Mm-hmm. You know, unless you're somebody who's beat them in the past. So you always look at who else is in that show and you want to give yourself the better odds. And I know people will say they don't if they say that they're full of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could go back in time, what is the one thing you would change about your career and why? I think I know one thing you're going to say. Uh, 2001,
0: 2002. 2002. Yeah, to Olympia. Yeah. I, well, I don't know. They asked one thing you could change about your career. I, I don't know what that – I because, I, I I mean, that's saying, like, would you do different something a pro? I, I think is there is there something like a missed opportunity
1: or something that you would yeah, change? Maybe I wouldn't this, have signed this, with this, this company. This question
0: has been asked a million times, and – you know, I always talk about I sat out 2002 Olympia, which I probably more than likely would have won, but it would have changed maybe the whole landscape of what happened in the next 10 years. Yeah. Um, definitely 2013 coming back. Uh, remember, I was pressured uh, to be on crunch time to come back. I probably should have waited until the 50th anniversary in 2014 mm-hmm. to come back because I feel I could have been a serious contender if I gave myself a little more time. Remember, I was coming off an injury in 2011. And I literally, in my mind, 100% retired, Um, started living my life, went through a divorce at the time. Uh, I was going out more, developed more, you know, social life. And then of course, I got back into bodybuilding and had to like, kind of reverse myself and get back in that mindset. And it was really hard to do. Because for the first time, you know, I wasn't in a settled place to do that. Like I was at home in Vegas, but I was on a tour bus that whole year leading up, I only prepped for about three months for that contest. And uh, it just wasn't enough time to gain the density. Mm -hmm. So I think that that would have been my biggest because I hated going out with a sixth place finish. I mean, I finished top two for the 12, 10 or 12 12 years. And then, of course, to fall to sixth place, um, it was very devastating for me for the first time, to be standing on the outside from the time I remember. So that would be more than competing in 2002 because the way it pivoted everything, and made, like, uh, the second-place finishes made me the underdog and gained a huge fan base. I think that 2013 comeback should have been pushed until 2014 and, uh, you know, worked on the hype and everything else, you know. And and I think I wonder if Kai Green will face that because Kai had so many opportunities to come back where he could have done some real damage, and now he's getting up there in age where it's just too difficult to do. If he would
1: have been competing right along, do you think he would have got one of these ideas? yeah, yeah. I think think so, too. I've had that conversation. You missed a lot of
0: opportunities,
1: you know. You know, once you've won that Mr. Olympia, you're,
0: yeah, you're, your, your you're name in is Your name is at a different level. So I just, mm-hmm. you know, I want to encourage all you guys out there that are watching this or listening, Um, you know, you just don't have a plan. You know, you just, you got to move forward with like, okay, this is, you know, every day I'm going to go at this with you know, as much effort as possible, but take advantage of the relationships and take advantage of the opportunity that comes to you. Mm -hmm. I advise all you people to, if you qualify for the Olympia, you don't know if you're going to make it back. And if that's your dream is to stand on that stage, see someone like me, the Olympia didn't mean as much. And I don't, I don't want to be arrogant when I say that, but like my true goal was like a people person and being at expos and being like face to face where I felt the stage was a little, um, it, it wasn't as personal, like with people. It, they watched me compete. And now I see the motivation it's given people. So I don't regret it at all, but I love the interaction with the fans. And I, I wasn't an ego guy where I'm like, I had no disappointment of winning only four titles. Like, I, I still look around my office and think, oh my gosh, I can't believe I won four Olympias. Mm-hmm. So of course I wanted to win five. I've had that in my mindset because I truly believe if I didn't tear my bicep, I would have won five. Uh, it's just that's you have that certain goal, but I don't discredit anything that I've done and think, "Wow, I would like to be in this guy's position." I don't. I don't look up to anyone in this business and think, "I wish I was that guy." Of course not. Like I feel like I've done everything I possibly could and you know, I'm still living the dream every single day. And that's kind of why we started this podcast is just to be able to give you guys a little more insight of my my thinking process and what like these topics we ask. Like, you know, what would I change about my career? Like, okay, well, honestly, to 2013, come back. You know, I probably would have waited and, um, you know, gave myself a better opportunity. Because if you're going to sit on stage, man, you don't want to be half ass, right? Yeah. And I felt like that's how we would have been in 2002 because I was moving to Vegas, building a house. There were people in my house all day. Uh, Everything's meant to be,
1: and even when you talk about if you would have done 2002, what would have happened if you would have won? Yeah. Well, who's to say Ronnie wouldn't have came back the next year and smoked you? Yeah. And then what? Then you get second. What if that devastated you and you never won another one again? I mean- And then Ronnie, and and it just pushed you out, and then all of a sudden somebody else would have- I
0: worked great as the underdog, bro. Yeah. And that's what worked great for me, so- uh, I, I don't. I don't want to think about that. You yeah. know, I want to think about the positive things. And you know, I appreciate all you guys following along. And you know, we're we're going to sign off. But I just wanted to uh, you know encourage all you guys. You know, have a very very special Christmas. We'll be back on hopefully before the new year. I think we'll do maybe one more yeah. prior. And uh, you know, you guys have a safe Christmas and. You know, any questions you guys have, please comment below, like, and like I said, comment, share this, um, anything else you need yeah, to if, if you
1: If you have any questions, you can always go to the Instagram, the CutlerCast, yeah. and you can uh, comment underneath something we posted or, or direct message it or comment below. How many to-
0: subs we have right now? Uh, I think we're approaching eighty five hundred. Okay, so we're getting close to ten. So we, our goal is to get to ten thousand in January. That's our, that's my goal. Yep. So you guys, if you have friends out there, make sure you guys plug them in to follow the Cutler Cast. Make sure you guys follow us on Instagram. We are getting on there and answering the questions, yep. but that's where yep. you're pulling a lot of these actual questions yep. off. So yep. if you guys want to have a question answered, make sure you give us write. some good questions. Yeah, give us some good ones. Get into some deep stuff. I mean, you guys can ask. I mean we can we can vary the questions too. So if you guys get a little too deep, you know, we can <laughs> we can edit them a little bit, but uh for for episode 17, man, we're out. It's, well, it's it was great. Merry and, Christmas uh, to everybody. Merry Christmas guys. Thank right. you.